morning, good morning everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are on this rotating, very warm globe tonight. Welcome to another edition, God Building the Creek Don't Rise, live on the other side of midnight. Welcome everyone, and I know we keep getting new people when I do Georgia's show, or I do uh, Clyde's show, or... Uh, I'm, I'm actually in, in the process of talking with some folks at WABC in New York, and I may in the next uh, week or two be doing that live, <clears throat> which will not be, of course, on the weekend. It will be on um, a weeknight, maybe uh, Thursday or Friday. We, we will let you know. We'll post something at the top of the homepage to let you know, because, again, we are now in A.D. Uh, we have spent years, decades politically getting to this point where, as you know, NASA a few weeks ago, actually on afternoon of the 31st of May of 2023, reverse a policy it has had in place for at least the last half century, 50 years. Remember, all the time we've been doing this work vis-a-vis ancient ET artifacts in the solar system, beginning on Mars and then finding them on the moon and then finding them on Mercury and amid the rings of Saturn and in the Saturnian moons and uh, in the uh, Jovian system all the way out to Pluto and all of this is documented. Just go go look for it. <clears throat> Google is your friend. Of course, they'll take your metadata, but they're still your friend because everybody is taking everybody's metadata. Uh, I did something the other day <clears throat> that I thought was totally private. And suddenly, you know, three different ads popped up uh, in my Yahoo uh, wanting to provide me with the same service. So you know they're looking at everything. The idea uh, that we have any privacy electronically is nuts. It's crazy. Anybody who thinks they live in that kind of world, they they have to start writing letters again, you know, with stamps, and post office, and mailbox and you know that's really cool and that will live a lot longer than all the electronic records uh, which of course is how people like Thomas Jefferson and Washington and uh, you know Trotsky and all those guys got biographies written because they were copious corresponders in something that actually lasts a lot longer than digital media letters on paper with pen and ink what a concept. Okay, before we get to tonight's subject, which actually knits together with all of my items listed, even number one, I live in the land of enchantment at about 6,500 feet. And for the last week, as Texas broiled and the news services touted the fact that in this last week, each day saw the record broken for the hottest planetary year so far. And how do they know that? Well, it's called um, transponders, instrumentation, and satellites. So we can, we mean the uh, National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, which has been called the wet NASA, which is in charge of weather and oceanography and all those cool research things, Anyway, NOAA has been monitoring the worldwide weather based on this global instantaneous network of sensors, thermometers. And yeah, for the last week, we have recorded the highest temperatures on Earth for 125,000 years. And based on current projections of CO2, and El Nino and those other mega planetary phenomenon. And the increase in carbon dioxide from artificial human sources in the atmosphere, that trend curve is only going to get worse, which of course has all kinds of tertiary implications for the economy, for food production, for supply chains, for energy production. Anyway, um. It's only affecting, I say only, around 100 million people right now. But in a few years, the projections are that something like 2 billion people 
out of 7 billion on the planet are going to experience disastrous uh, environmental temperature rises that are irreversible by any current known technology. So tonight, I'm going to introduce you to an unknown technology, which can really, really solve and permanently in a totally controllable fashion, the problem. If it's implemented and it only costs money, doesn't cost anything other than money. Oh, and political will to make it happen. And uh, item number two is directly a part of it. Uh, unknown in all the other news, which has been bombarding the mainstream, which is primarily uh, geopolitical, either domestically with Trump or internationally with Putin, the war, and the mutiny. Um, this bit of news, item number two, kind of fell between the cracks. Virgin Galactic, remember Richard Branson? The billionaire, you know, behind the Virgin Airlines and uh, the uh, uh, Virgin Galactic space adventures. He's not going into orbit. He's going up and down in what's called a suborbital hop. But he's doing it with a really cool spacecraft design, unlike uh, Bezos, which I really can't, you know, uh, get fuzzy and cozy with. I think Branson has definitely got the edge because basically his spacecraft, you know, flying to the edge of space above the 62-mile international marker um, is basically a mini shuttle. And what goes up comes down controllably and it lands on a runway and it's got lots of room inside. You know, if you click on that link, you'll see some really cool uh, interior images of the first tourists who took their flight last week and everything worked perfectly. Uh, they've had a lot of problems at uh, Virgin Galactic, but they have solved them one by one. And this is definitely a doable um, functioning spacecraft tourism corporation. The only question now is will multimillionaires and billionaires get tired of simply going up and down and opt instead for a week uh, with Musk and SpaceX, who of course are offering commercial orbital missions, including because of a deal they worked out with NASA to both benefits, um, spending a week, give or take, on the space station and doing useful things, even if you are tourists. Remember, our, our friend Sam Asmonagic, as in um, uh, the, 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 the Near East, um, actually, you know, the Near East, <clears throat> has been doing this for several years, going on maybe a decade, decade and a half, where during the uh, atmospherically conducive months, which is spring and fall, he gets basically paying tourists to come and play archaeologist for a week or two or whatever. And they get to contribute they get bragging rights. He gets funding for additional research of the pyramids in Bosnia, and everybody is happy. This, of course, is the model that was being followed by those very, very bizarre people over at Ocean Gate with their uh, submersible diving on the Titanic, which we're going to go into tomorrow night as a crossover from tonight's discussion because, uh, well, we have some really interesting new information about the Titan. And believe me, it's going to curl your hair. So you're not going to want to miss tomorrow night with my friend and colleague, Chris Knowles, as we talk about the intense, overwhelming, hyperdimensional symbolism encoded in the Titan's tragic demise. You do not want to miss tomorrow night's show as my grandmother would say, God willing, and the Greek don't rise, and they keep the internet on for me, <clears throat> which sometimes is very problematic. Okay, item number three. We're talking tonight about the increasingly confirmable and documentable fact that we are not living in an average run-of-the-mill solar system governed by what the... Uh, 
post-Copernican astronomers have said for hundreds of years is the mediocrity principle. The idea after we had been enthroned for thousands of years in the center of the universe and then in the uh, uh, center of a solar system and then in the center of the galaxy and each one of those centerings was ultimately, as science moved on, dethroned. So we know that we live in a very average universe where galaxies look pretty much the same no matter where you look, no matter which direction. And in terms of our galaxy, the initial studies, you know, a hundred or so years ago, came to a breakthrough when uh, Shapley and Hubble determined scientifically that we actually live in the remote spiral arm of an average super interesting spiral galaxy which is about two million light years away from another interesting spiral galaxy kind of like a, a bigger twin the andromeda galaxy and that we're like two-thirds of the way out from the core from the center something like 26,000 years from the center of the rotating milky way galaxy which, by the way, back in the 20s were called by this incredibly lyrical name, which I wish they'd still maintained when it was first discovered that they were not little clumps of fuzz in the Milky Way, but that other galaxies were literally as big as ours and millions of light years away, or tens of millions, or hundreds of millions, or billions as the uh, time scale expanded during the 20s and 30s and 40s through Earth-based astronomy. Well, in all of that universe, they call these galaxies island universes, which to me was such an incredibly evocative description of these vast spinning spirals, which contain so much ancient lore about the real universe that we inhabit. And it's nesting inside a set of higher non-visible dimensions, which of course is where the concept of hyper-dimensional physics occurs. So at each stage in the progression of science, the previous generations which sought to enthrone us in a special place um, have fallen by the wayside and we've become average, average, more average, really average, super average, totally average, mindlessly average, and don't even bring it up anymore, average. And then the revolution happened. Because if you read carefully the number three item, which is found on the NASA headquarters website, it turns out that out of something like 5,000 extra solar systems that NASA has now tabulated, bringing together private and spacecraft data and government data and NASA telescope data all across the broad front of what's called exoplanetary research, exo applying to any planetary system, not here, not our own. It turns out out of something like 5,000 solar systems that we've now looked at over the last 20, 20, beginning about 1995, you do the math. Ours is the only one. Let me repeat that. Ours is the only one that looks like ours. It's not average. It's not mediocre. It's not run-of-the-mill. It's nothing like the pre-space age exoplanetary astronomy found from looking at real, heretofore never observable data since 1995. I mean, I remember, and Keith, of course, remembers this, when the first exoplanetary system, 51 Pegasi, in the constellation of Pegasus, was announced, and Nightline, including Koppel, the crew, and Keith Morgan, went to Harvard, went to Boston, well, actually Cambridge, and did a live remote from the site of the Harvard Classical Refractor Telescope, the Clark, I think it's a 13-inch refractor, I think. Anyway, it was being used live on the air that night 
to showcase this idea of a little planetary system orbiting two stars found in the constellation of Pegasus. That was the beginning of the revolution. <clears throat> so in all that time, all those decades since, and now all these thousands of solar systems that have been tabulated, observed, reobserved by di several different methods, so they hold up. Ours is the only one that looks like us. And of course, instead of, you know, owning up to the fact that by any normal science, when you find in a very statistically large batch of examples, you got one that does not fit, one that you can't cram into a round hole if it's a square, one that just is an anomaly, one that is such an incredible outlier that it's not replicated over thousands of other examples. Instead of turning to the obvious, which is, well, if, it, if solar systems are natural and ours doesn't fit any of the other ones, assuming that they're all natural, which is a huge assumption, by the way, maybe our solar system is not natural. Maybe someone designed it. Shades of Arthur C. Clarke. Any sufficiently advanced technology, including a technology which can nullify inertia and gravity and move planets around like chopsticks, is indistinguishable from magic. And it does not require gods by any way, shape, or form to wield that power. Although, to be fair, they could, but that would put them in a whole different realm. And of course, science works from the bottom up. So what I've been assuming for a very long time is I found more and more evidence within our unique solar system, which again, remember, is not supposed to be unique. It's supposed to be average, mediocre, run of the mill. It's not. Get used to it. My model was from early, early years, this now was decades ago, that if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, molts like a duck, floats like a duck. In other words, the solar system was designed. The only question now is by whom and when, and the really cool one, for what purpose? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, we are living in this AD environment where, after 50 years of denial, the world's premier space agency, which is NASA, made a stunning announcement in a very bureaucratic, tentative fashion uh, almost a month ago now. When they, hold the, when they held this four-hour meeting, public meeting, uh, on the NASA channel and on their websites, and uh, it was excerpted on all the mainstream news outlets. Because one of the key scientists involved in this now current NASA foray into the unidentified anomalous phenomenon, which they started looking at <clears throat> formally about a year ago. After a year, they held their preview meeting of what they were going to recommend to the NASA administrator. And their recommendation is going to include that, yes, NASA jumped first into the UFO slash UAP slash unidentified anomalous phenomena pond. The water's nice. It's really a nice place to go swimming if you want to find breakthrough science. And under this new program office of unidentified anomalous phenomena, they're going to have a sub-office devoted to the search, the scientific search for extraterrestrial alien artifacts all across the solar system. We have come home. Or NASA has come home. Anyway, the point is that politically, tonight, this conversation that David and I are going to have about the unthinkable that the solar system is not just a random collection of objects that formed in some kind of 
<clears throat> interstellar nebula swirling around a, a star until it uh, coalesced into bodies, big ones far out, small ones close in. Instead of that model, NASA very carefully, in the voice of Dr. Grinspoon, who was the scientist who enunciated this new policy at that meeting, he said that um, they were going to look at, I'm paraphrasing, anomalous phenomenon, artificial structures all across the solar system. Now that's a very important distinction if you write, you know, for a living, which I do. Because they could have said on Mars or on the moon or on Mer or whatever. They could have pinned it down to a specific planetary location. But instead, they included all across the solar system. Why? Because, this is the proof, they already know that we live in a remodeled designer solar system and they even know which objects are natural and which are artificial and which have been kind of moved around. So <clears throat> item number four is kind of the Washingtonian Kabuki theater answer to the conundrum. How does NASA get out from under having lied to the American people and the world for over 50 years about there being anything human-made, artificial, intelligently designed, alien, you know, out there that they could go to and point to and learn from and acknowledge what I've just said. So, the actual evidence is in my items five, six, seven, and eight. And I'm going to save those for after David joins us because tonight we are very privileged to have a uh, co-researcher of extraordinarily important caliber, uh, David Sarita. And David is going to regale us with new data, new evidence, new research that he has done uh, that is supporting his other appearances on the show, his publications, his companies, which uh, deal directly in the hyperdimensional physics. Um, he is such a generalist. He has produced music. Uh, he has co-produced, edited, and scored films. He's written many books, such as Evidence, The Case for NASA UFOs, Singularity, Differentials, Face-to-Face -face with Jesus Christ, and jointly with his wife, Mona, Lisa's Little Secret, and God's Great Pyramid, to name just a few. So without further ado, uh, let me welcome back to the other side of midnight for what I promise you is going to be a hell of a show, David Sarita. David, come on down. You're the only one who could do this, Richard. <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> well, that's you know, what spending. That's what I like spending. What you just said. That's what spending so forty NASA... years. See, I've only spent forty years doing the research. So then when it independently is confirmed by someone like yourself who has independently looked at this outrageous idea but from a totally different perspective and the two models overlap, they coincide, they confirm each other, that's what we got to talk about. That's why you're on the show tonight because politically we are only a whisker away from NASA in some elegant way confirming everything we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, this, this is this is getting so exciting. <laughs> so for for a recap, for the last time I was on your show, I talked about how this magic number five ninety one decodes the entire solar system. And the way I got this number, if you go to my item one tonight and you click on this model, which is mind blowing. My wife calls out my name, my deceased wife, who is has been deceased. This is actually interesting. When she called out my name, not only was it 591 days after she died, but that's 1.618 years after she died, which is the golden ratio, right? And, yep. and I'm trying to figure out what does Crystal mean by calling out my name Crystal Clear. I mean, I heard her voice absolutely clearly. And my wife, you know, did math like me. She, she was very into astronomy and the solar system when she was alive. 
Our first big fight that almost ended our relationship was about black holes. <laughs> and you can't imagine, you know, dating a young woman and you're going to get in a fight about black holes and break up over it. I think what- that's a record, David. I have not <laughs> I have not heard of that one before. No. No, and and right in the beginning, you know, so but that's how you knew she was the one. Right, and what do black holes do? They rip things apart. So well, they're anyway. conduits between dimensions. Remember Robin's last communication to me through a very different modality. Remember, now we have two examples of independent, you know, significant others who've gone on to the other dimension, but are somehow still be able to communicate back. Crystal's doing it one way, Robin's doing it another way, but the messages overlap because her last major communication was literally in December, on December 22nd of the year she died, which was uh, uh, 2019. And it was literally at the winter solstice when we have the alignment of the Earth, the Sun, and the black hole at the center of the galaxy, which is the conduit, the biggest one in our neighborhood, if you think of the galaxy as your neighborhood, Mr. Rogers. And so we got two overlapping independent confirmations of the same damn stuff. Oh my God! Yeah, that's. The, I mean, the win, the winter solstice is when I had the most powerful mystical experience of my life. In like when I was like twenty six years old, I, I was taken through the seven levels of heaven out of my body. Spectacular experience, and yet, I mean, so just to have that ability for you to know—it's like the movie um, Interstellar—to know when the message is being sent to you and it's right in front of you in the in the plainest, simplest form. But it's so profound as you, as you analyze it, right? Well, so. remember, Robin and I got together again because of the physics. In fact, if you could look, you'd see uh, sets of plates, dinner plates, that she went out and found and bought that reflect the hyperdimensional geometry of the physics, 19.5 and all that. And the very day she moved between dimensions, from this one to the next one was literally at dawn on the 3rd of March of 2019. And the dawn, of course, is when we measured in Mexico that the physics uh, daily peaks so that a conduit is opened up. And the third month of the year and the third day of the month was a 33, again, specifically by design, because after she died, I looked it up, and she died exactly according to the nurse's uh, records at the nurse's station, because she was wired so they could tell when her heart stopped. It was exactly at 6.30 a.m., which in here in Albuquerque was exactly when the sun was on the horizon, which we measured as an incredibly energetic transfer moment at the Great Pyramids of Teotihuacan, years and years before. So nothing about her death was accidental. And then over the years, she sent me affirming messages on a range of, of subjects that we looked at together. But the most profound was that communication during the uh, winter solstice when the super galactic alignment every year lines up for a conduit. Right, and 19.5 is 591 in reverse. Like if you put the number 19... 19- Five in a in a mirror, it, you would see five ninety one in the other in the other mirror, which is which is even more. Spooky. Oh, good grief! Of course, I'm just looking at it now. Oh my god, my I didn't see it. One see, nine five. We, we are we are so so shrouded in this miasma we're embedded in, which we call reality, that even things that have stared us in the face for decades. If you look at them now, I mean, I look at things and I find new stuff that I missed the first, second, 25th, 500 millionth time. And I think it has to be... incredible? Say again? It's incredible. It's 19.5. Exactly. It's the code, folks. The hyper-dimensional code. And what's, what's amazing is, you know, we talked about this last time and now there's huge iconoclastic... Hey, you know, if I'm if I'm not careful, I'm going to blow past the break at the bottom of the hour. So hold it there. My guest this morning is David Sarita. We're talking about more proof, more evidence, more stunning 
confirmation that we do live in a designer solar system. So get ready to think on a scale that I don't think a lot of people have allowed themselves to think of for a very long time. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. everyone on this Saturday night, uh, July 8th edition of The Other Side of Midnight. My guest this morning is David Sarita, who is a generalist, a mathematical wizard, who can see patterns that, you know, when they kind of really unleash AI, I still think you're going to, you know, beat them hands down because I'm going to bet on the human and not the machine because the machine is still only a program. It's not truly artificially intelligent. Not yet. Anyway, David, please continue. Well, first I wanted to say, for people who, who may have a hard time believing this, I mean, <laughs> if you understand quantum entanglement and that, you know, I was with my wife 18 years, created children with her, made love to her over a thousand times. I, I don't know how many times. So you think of, you think of, the quantum entanglement between you and Robin and me and Crystal and your other half is suddenly not in this world. You're still entangled to the energy part of that person because the energy part of us, which is not the physical part of us, it it's still in communication with us. So this is not impossible what what we're demonstrating here. But it, it, it's utterly blowing my mind because Richard just said, 19.5 and I was looking at 591 <laughs> and you know what's amazing Richard my credit card that I got after Crystal died my bank sent me my MasterCard and I was making an online purchase like and I don't make very many online purchases and it says enter your three digit code it was 591 and I'm oh now, come on I ha I'll send Keith a picture of it because I've now disabled well, that card oh, wait, wait, wait. I just had another thought Remember the bizarre features we found at Jezero Crater on Mars that we've discussed many times on this show? No, I'm not familiar with Jezero Crater. Okay, Jezero Crater is where the uh, NASA folks, JPL, uh, launched and landed the uh, Perseverance rover uh, a couple years ago, in February, a couple years ago. And it's been prowling around, ostensibly, you know, drilling and caching little titanium tubes of soil samples and rock samples for when a future mission, an unmanned mission, will come and collect them and return them to Earth for laboratory analysis, all in the service to the ostensible documented public mission of Perseverance, which was to land in a 30-mile-wide crater that used to be home to an ancient lake, presumably lake which could give rise to life 
and therefore there would be sediments and residues and geology and chemistry and all that that could be gathered by the Perseverance rover, packaged up for delivery back here on Earth and then analyzed sometime in the 2030s here on Earth. And then NASA or ESA or both would say, based on what they found, oh, there used to be at one time little tiny microbes that are now fossilized in the muds and, and the dried sediments at the bottom of the lake. That's, that's their mainstream model. Whereas, in fact, if you look at the NASA photography of Jezero taken by the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter spacecraft, which is orbiting Mars, has been since, I think, 2000... Oh, I forget when. Maybe 2008, I think that's when, uh, or nine, it, it reached to Mars. <clears throat> you will see stunning evidence of ancient... Sidonia scale pyramids all across the southern end of this 30 mile wide crater, including two sets of pyramids, one of which is the same scale and the same geometry as the uh, three uh, pyramids at Giza, which is really interesting. And I want to thank uh, Jonathan Womack for doing tonight's uh, uh, banner. Want to go and take a look at that? His his imagination is right in sync with where the science is now. And then right next to them, David, there are three much larger Sidonia scale pyramids, which, as you know, are miles on a side compared to hundreds of feet for the ones at Giza on Earth. And those massive Sidonia pyramids are the mirror image of the of the um, pattern at Giza that we find here on Earth. And of course, we both know that that pattern, courtesy Robert Bavell, on Earth corresponds to the critical belt stars of the constellation of Orion, which in ancient Egyptian was Osiris, opening up the whole Osirian family, which includes Osiris, his twin brother, Set, Isis, the goddess Isis, which is identified with Sirius, the brightest star uh, as seen from Earth for many years. And what's so interesting is that the reversal, the mirror reversal of the two images of Orion's belt, one the way we see it, and the one the way we don't see it, indicates to me some kind of mirroring in the physics of dimensions whereby when we were englobed in some kind of artificial bubble, the whole solar system, as part of killing the experiment, killing the designer solar system, which was designed to enhance our consciousness between dimensions, somebody did that on a scale which ring and so the fact that Crystal sends her HD communication as a mirror image numerical reversal of 195 is A, perfectly extraordinary, and B, tells me that like Robin, she has one hell of a sense of humor. And, and, and now you're also mentioning Mars here. And so that was... When you take 591 as an orbital period, right? So first, what I did when it happened is I took the square root, and then that wasn't it, and then I divided it by pi, and that wasn't it, and I divided it by the golden ratio, which is the goddess harmony in the Greek, you know, Roman system. Harmony is the golden ratio. That's her CHI. So when you divide 591 by the golden ratio long form, I mean, you know, to 10 digits, you get the exact sidereal days for Earth per year, 365.258. Holy cow. And, and then, so, but, but what's, what's funny is when I do it again, I get Venus's orbital period, 99.67% accurate, and then I do it again, and I get this mysterious number, which I finally figured out what it is, and this number is going to blow everybody's mind tonight. The number has an orbital period of 139.516 days. 
And we're talking about Earth days here, which is also another designer mystery. Because if you calculate this in Venus days, if you count it in Jupiter days, the whole thing's going to turn to mush. So this, this, the proof to a mathematician that this number 591, which is 19.5 in the mirror, or you know, floating on the surface of a lake, if you wrote 19.5, <laughs> you would see 591 on the other side, actually. So yeah. if you wrote 195 and put it in the mirror, you're going to see 591. So the and, and this number 139.51, now this number is utterly astounding. And what is iconoclastic that I just figured out you know, since our last show, is if this year, in 2023, if I count the number of days from January 1st to Jesus's Ascension Day, and the Ascension Day is for 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared to the apostles, showed them he was physical, not, not very important. This is a very important fact. He burned his image into the linen fibers in the Shroud of Turin, representing that his new body is higher frequency and therefore higher temperature than a human 98.6 degrees because we can't burn our image into, you know. Well, wait, 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 wait. You're kind of conflating a bunch of things that people are not going to follow you on. Right. <clears throat> because the, uh, <clears throat> the the Shroud of Turin is claimed to be the burial shroud of, of the Christ. And a lot of experimentation has gone into trying to figure it out scientifically, including back in the 80s, a really amazing team of very powerful guys from Los Alamos, which is just north of me here in New Mexico. And their conclusion was basically that no known current science could create this. It was some kind of radiation, three-dimensional singeing of the fibers, just the right. top fibers of the linen and the bottom fibers were screened, eclipsed, protected from whatever singed and changed the chemistry, uh, basically burned it slightly on those top fibers, and nothing that anybody could come up with in terms of fakery uh, could match the actual modern scientific results of the Shroud of Turin, and the whole radiocarbon thing turns out to have been a very carefully calculated red herring to make most people say, oh, it's just a, you know, Middle Ages thing, when in fact the real science says it was created by an unknown technology and it could be easily 2,000 years old as a remnant in 3D of a higher dimensional application of physics to Christ's body in that tomb in those three days. Right. Now, so, let's just, just think about the the temperature that it would take to do that of his new body, or therefore the frequency, because the higher frequency is the higher the temperature. Well, but wait, 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 hang on, hang on, you're making a, 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 a scientific fallacy. Just because something looks like it's burning doesn't mean it really is burning. What it means is the chemistry has been altered to mimic oxidation without maybe there being any temperature involved at all, at all. Or, but the, the witnesses to the tomb saw this blinding light. There were angelic beings that were sitting on top of the tomb that were not earthly. They were not ghosts, so it's not the same thing as seeing a ghost. And then we also, okay, I'm going to go to Gary Nolan's um, data, the Stanford um, physicist, who his data says that they have had U.S. military personnel get too close to these ET craft and they received radiation burns. So just, just hold that thought a second. And then I was reading a story about Jim, his band, saw a UFO land in upstate New York and an ET came out, which sounds like he was wearing some type of helmet. And it was in the winter time, and the radiation from his body was melting the snow. Mm. So, so my, and then you also have the the God of of Moses landing on top of the Sinai and telling Aaron and Moses to place markers around the mountain because if common people cross those markers, they would incinerate and and die. But because 
Aaron and Moses have their staff, which would electrically ground a human skeleton to earth ground, electrically, they could withstand more radiation than the common person. I've actually done tests on this. I've actually tested this hypothesis with, with a, a radiation meter and, and a rod and, and a radi radiation target. And yes, if you, if you radiate a target that is not grounded, it will heat up and it will incinerate. But if you... Well, you can do the same thing by putting aluminum foil in a microwave. Which right. is about frequency and resonant frequency and all that. So look, let's let's not dwell a lot on okay, well, how the, how the shroud the was produced because I think the shroud was the the image in the shroud was a side effect in in this in this model of beam me up, Scotty. Okay, so it, where I'm going with this though is the number when I see the number one thirty nine, that number lines up to May 21st of this year, and Jesus' Ascension Day has slightly different dates for the Orthodox Church, and the Orthodox Church is the oldest church, the first church was actually Orthodox, and the Western Church's mid-date is May 21st. Well, that's exactly 139 days into the year. Okay, you, you, you've mentioned a number before that it was 40 days after his resurrection, right? Yeah, so 40 days after his resurrection. So when you say it jiggles around a bit, does it ever become 39? No, no, it's from January 1st, past Easter, past to the 40-day mark, it is 139 days this year. Well, you said it varied. No, each year, because Easter shifts, it varies slightly. Yes, it does. So, But by how much? This, well, all, sometimes only by a few days. I'm looking at the chart right now. So, it, so it covers 39 it covers 39 absolutely. and 39 is twice 19.5 oh my god oh my god <laughs> that's so, where no, we're going no, see look signals cow. are random uh, i'm sorry signals are redundant noise is random okay when did nasa date this is on your items the big conference that they just announced the that they were looking in the solar system for yeah it, it was May it was May thirty first it was Wednesday right. afternoon May thirty first what last year May thirty first is exactly in the window of Ascension Day <laughs> and this year it's only a few days out because this year the Eastern yeah but remember gone. last year is when they started the study that's when they started the study yeah. so last year. The Western churches celebrate May 26th and Eastern June 2nd. So you're right in the window. Yep, yep. The Ascension Well, day, remember, yep. these guys can't go to the John without doing a ritual. Now, watch this about the 139 people. Now, go to my item one, because what I'm saying is if I start with my magic number, 19.5 in reverse, 591, the crystal gave me, I'm I'm just inside of Mars's current orbit, and what I'm saying is, probably Mars used to be exactly at 591, and after the war in the heavens, which Richard and I talked about. Well, last wait, time, wait, 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 wait. Van Flandern years ago published really good data, which said that Mars and an unknown other big moon, kind of like Europa, used to orbit Planet Five, and then when Planet Five blew up or in terms of our model, was blown up in the war, the orbit of Mars suddenly was orbiting the sun all by itself. And it drifted from, you know, where it canonically belonged in David's math to where it is now, which is a little bit farther out. So, right, so the original been... orbit of the big guy probably was exactly right on your reconstructed math. 19.5 in the mirror, 591, yeah. and that's the number of days Crystal calls up my name. So if I divide by phi, the golden ratio, the goddess harmony, I come exactly to Earth, divide it again by the golden ratio, and I come nearly exactly to Venus, I'm only out by a smidgen, 0.51, that coincides with Jesus' ascension. Now this is going to get even more mind-blowing. Before we get to planet Vulcan, which probably everybody's looking at on this big chart here, because that's another exciting new discovery. Guess what happens if I come to the magic number for the Eastern Orthodox Church 
for the day they celebrate Christmas, which is between January 6th and January 7th. Now, if I take January 7th minus 139 days, guess what date I come to? Mm. I come to August 21st, and that is the day that Jesus's physical birthday, physical birthday was in the Urantia book is the date of his birthday, which happens to be my birthday in this lifetime. Now, if I hang on, hang on, hang on, have another coincidence, which I don't think is. (laughs) Remember, my model, my my meta model for everything going on is that movie, which just won the Academy Award, everything, everywhere, all at once. Right, right. All these things that we look at in the news, you know, the Trump stuff and the January, the you know, the January stuff and the the the, the secret documents, the classified documents, and all of the you know the the Putin stuff in Ukraine, everything is part of this same upheaval in the physics, which is modulating all of this stuff. Except most of us are not up on the math, so we can't follow the thread that connects this stuff in a higher level reality. And there are some amazing things like, for instance, did you know that Franklin Delano Roosevelt changed the election and the um, uh, swearing-in ceremony day for the presidency of the United States back in the early 1930s? To what day? It used to be March, so you'd be elected in November, and then you'd have to hang on to the old president until March, until the inauguration of the new guy. And it was Roosevelt who moved it back to, wait for it, January 6th. Which is? Because. Which is. Go ahead. Unbelievable what that date means. Because, because he was not, a 33rd degree Mason. And that's the day of the insurrection of the Capitol. Exactly. But now also- you now you know what they were trying to do hyperdimensionally is kill the republic with an insurrection on a crucial symbolic hyperdimensional date, which is the date that the first Christians celebrated Christmas, the yep. January sixth, and Tesla dies on the night of the seventh, going into the eighth. Right. Remember, you always have a window in these dates of three to five days. There's always a window. So watch what happens. So I take August 21st plus 139 days is January 7th. Now I'm going to add 139 days to January 7th. And guess what? I come to May 25th, which this year is the Eastern Orthodox Church Ascension Day. Do you so know? Do you know? Do you, do you know what else May 25th is? No. It is, the, it is the, the day, the month and the day, exactly, when John Fitzgerald Kennedy in 1961 stood in front of the House in a joint session of Congress and announced human beings were going to the moon. Holy cow! <laughs> so you form a triangle. Think of a triangle. May 25th, January 7th. See, in in the old Christian church, and I've researched all the Gnostic literature, every, every, every manuscript I could ever get my hands on, after my blinding visions of Christ started in, in 1994 in Topanga, California. And so when you take this trinity of august 21st is his physical birthday january 7th is when he was baptized and the holy spirit came upon him that's what the old orthodox church says that is not his physical birthday that his is his his anointing his spiritual birthday his spiritual birthday that's exactly how they describe it in the in the oldest text so january 6th 7th another 139 days is May 25th. So the question is, come back to our model, item one, is there a planet called heaven at the 139-day <laughs> period? Now, guess this is going to blow your mind even more. So go on my chart. Go to my item five. Okay, looking at five. In meters, the, in meters, the the the... the the, the height of the pyramid without its capstone is 139 meters. It's actually just a sliver short of 139 meters, but people round it off at 139 meters. And why? 
because if you look at the top of the pyramid, which which even at the time of Christ would not have had its its supposed capstone, and it would have it would have had a finished flat platform up there if you because all the white limestone blocks were there at the time of Christ. He refers to himself as the missing capstone that the builders rejected, right? He refers to himself as that, but it's 139 meters tall and it sits at 29.97299792458 north latitude with the decimal moved over right which is which is which is you know a version of the speed of light in metric which varies very slightly right everything has a wobble everything has a window even your 139 days has a window so why again is the pyramid in metric coded with this number so my item four is, is there a secret planet between Venus and Mercury? And when Jesus declares that he is the bright and morning star in the book of Revelation, which we normally refer to as the planet Venus, but could their planet exist because... In this in this Fibonacci pattern, in this golden ratio pattern, starting with the number 591, we will see, if we continue it past the 139, we'll see two more. We'll see the planet Mercury, so we'll come to Mercury's orbit, and that's accurate to like 98%, right? Um, because it, with our formula, 591 divided by the golden ratio, divided by the golden ratio, divided by the golden ratio, will come to the planet Mercury. Which is a fractal. Definition right. of a fractal. Right, which is a fractal. And then we do it again, and we have 53.29. We do it again, we get 32.93. And we do it one more time, we get 20.35. And 20.35 happens to be and you're going to have to go to my item one because you think of Spock and the planet Vulcan. Go to my <laughs> item six. And so th remember, the Greek model, if you click on my item six, you'll, you'll come to a Wikipedia page on planet. And of course, Spock is from planet Vulcan. And this planet, originally, when early French astronomers were looking at it in the end of the you know, mid-19th century, they thought it might have been a sunspot, but it didn't match the period of the sun's rotation at the equator. Is this is another interesting fact, but I don't want to get I don't want to deviate too much right now. That it's about 25 days. It turns out with all of their studies, Vulcan had a period of of 19 days and 17 hours, which is almost exactly 20 days. Now my mathematical formula starting with the number 591 takes me to 20 20.35 days for Vulcan. So if if Vulcan wasn't real, why did the Romans name the the planet after a god who melts steel? Okay, hang on. We are at the top of the hour. Top of the hour. My guest this morning is David Sarita. We're going through some amazing confirmations in terms of mathematics. I know some folks' eyes glaze over when math is introduced in a conversation. But if you want to follow the hyperdimensional threads, you can't. Because 195, 19.5, turns out to be the unifying glue, as we would expect, between dimensions. And this has extraordinary implications for what's going to happen next. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. for listening to this exciting first hour now the second and third hour of the show is available to club 19.5 members only 
Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.